Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of the Standard Issue Podcast. I am Muna Zubair, your anchor, your host, the captain of the ship. <laughs> Before we jump right in, I would like to say a very big thank you to everyone who tuned in and listened and shared the links to our maiden episode. I'm so grateful for your support. You know, I didn't even think anyone would click any of the links or hit play. And so far, the feedback has been very encouraging. You know, I'm just so grateful to everyone. Honestly, I did not know that this would be quite the undertaking when I started this. I thought it was just, you know, stuff I would just be messing around with for fun. But um, I am happy to hear that I touched on issues that really resonated with people. A lot of the feedbacks I got, you know, people saying these are the standard issues. And I was like, oh. We have a catchphrase now. <laughs> I, I got back to work my regular nights five and one of my boss's colleagues was like, thumbs up. I commented, well done. And I did not know what to do with myself. I was just repeating over and over. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Like a dork. So thank you all so much. And I promise to try to be as consistent as possible. And, you know, on your own part, don't be shy. Leave all your comments wherever you find a comment box on whichever platform you're listening on or any of our social media, I'm listening and I'm uh, keeping track with all of your feedback. Right, so let's jump right in. Now today, I'm going to be talking about the audacity of power and the corruption it brings to one who uh, wields it at any given time. This conversation we're having stems from an observation of recent uh, separate events that come together to confirm that, yes, indeed, power absolutely corrupts, whether in a political space or otherwise. Now, if you're a regular internet snoop like me, you would no doubt have seen the video that was going around of a man who was initially erroneously reported as being uh, tried for corruption. This man was, in the video, hobbling around in crutches and, and head-to-toe bandages like a mummy under the guise of a spinal cord injury to courts. He put on quite a pitiful display, you know, his people were basically carrying him up the steps of justice. And only to find out that not only was he faking the entire injury, but he was in fact on trial by the Katsina state government for alleged cyber crimes from his alleged whistleblowing on the alleged corruption and misappropriation um, allegations he had against the Katsina state government. Now, I don't have the details of how the man, a Katsina state citizen by name Mahadi Shehu, came to be in the crosshairs of the state government. All I know is he alleges that the state government misappropriated a whopping 50-something billion naira over the last five years of the present administration. And he allegedly came with receipts, that's you know, documents proving his allegations. Now, of course, sharp, sharp, the state government immediately pronounced him a criminal with forged documents and sued him. 
Next thing you know, he's alleging a spinal cord injury to court. Um, but recordings made of his activities in his detention room show him moving fine and even uh, leading his handlers. Those guys that were carrying him in the other video. In prayer, he was the leader of prayer. He was the Alpha. His spine and his limbs were fully intact. He made a, a miraculous recovery. <laughs> the man practically unwrapped his uh, bandages and leaned the crutches on the wall like you would an umbrella when you return home uh, on a rainy day. And it was so hilarious. I mean, <laughs> Lord only knows what he may have been threatened with for him to pull a Dino Melaihe of epic proportions like this. And these are the issues. The audacity of people in power continuing to act with impunity and going unpunished. Whether you are in fakes if you pain, like Fayoshi, or fainting like Ulisa Metsu, our leaders have consistently shown us exactly how to shy away from accountability. And now you have citizens doing the same. <laughs> so I'm not going to argue the credibility of the man. Like I said, he very well may be telling the truth. Is it really hard to believe that a state government in Nigeria today is involved in misappropriation of funds? But the length he has to go to prove his truth or, or legitimize his lie, depending on what you believe, is endemic of a society whose leaders take its citizens for granted and a citizenry that takes everything with levity. We joke about everything. We, we will, sure, we will rail and have online outrages for a few days and then we move on. It sucks. But on the other hand, can you blame us? Any attempt to speak truth to power is met with the harshest pushback. That's where you will experience the absolute corruptness of power, which will involve the employment of all of the instruments of state power and force to silence opposition and, and voices of dissent. Hashtag remember, hashtag NSARS. Huh? But ladies and gentlemen, make no mistake, we are on the precipice. This country is on the edge of our own demise, of our own uh, destruction. I got this um, world data from an associate the other day, ranking countries on their levels of uh, economic growth, security, all of that. Now, I'm not going to bore you with the numbers, but needless to say, the data will not shock you. I mean, if you live in Nigeria and you're experiencing Nigeria every day, if someone presented you a data, uh, showing you what you are living in physically, a statistical analysis of your experience living in Nigeria, you wouldn't be shocked, right? So it would not shock you, knowing what we know about our country. And yeah, sure, it could be argued that the indices by which that data was generated uh, is Western-centric. And after all, that these are the same people taking our raw materials to develop their own countries. But we have to realize that... Um, they're not swooping into our country, at least not in the past 60 years. They're not coming in here to take our resources of their own accord without our approval. Our leaders, whom we have entrusted the growth and development of our nation to, continuously sell us out at every turn. So yeah, the data may be skewered, but it is a stark representation of how low we have fallen. It's not that hard to believe. 
Okay, in a world of 195 countries, for Nigeria to rank at 140 something or lower across the board. Okay, there were there's indices that are focusing on uh, growth and development, on uh, security, on standards of living. Nigeria will rank for 140, 142, 145. Low, low, low across the board. It tells you how stagnated we have become. Because we have not moved an inch since the oil boom of the 70s. We are skating on old glory, hailing ourselves as the giants of Africa, while other countries have actually are growing themselves. They have since moved onward and forward, and they don't even regard us as a giant in any form, except maybe in population alone. It's truly frustrating and, and crazy what our leaders have done to us, what our uh, complacency has made us able and willing to accept. It's like we are suffering from a weird form of um, Stockholm Syndrome with the way we uh, fall back to business as usual at every injustice that is thrown our way. Because we don't know what it is to have a system that works. Okay? Just last month, the president of Tanzania, John Magufuli, passed away. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. And it was weird for us, for me, and a lot of us actually, to see the outpouring of grief from the citizens and the nation in general. I was like, well, what's happened? Should be not their president then. Why they can't <laughs> You know? This is not to say he was a perfect leader. There's no such thing. I mean, in Liberia, there has been widespread uh, opinions on a recent referendum that was heavily backed by President George Ware. Now, this referendum was held to gauge public opinion on the extension of presidential terms. Okay? It's very telling that President George Ware is backing what would have essentially become a bill or a law now that his two five-year terms are fast coming to an end. Now, of course, his people were saying, no, he, he has no intention of um, running for you know, re-election should that law or that thing be assented. Yeah, right. How magnanimous. He was just doing it for the next person to come in, right? Really. Remember when another head of state attempted to do that here in Nigeria too? It is because power is intoxicating. And once they have it, it seems they never want to let go. That's why even here you would find the same people recycling themselves over and over again. They finish from a state government or state governor for two terms. Then you see them running for a Senate or one other thing or the other. You see them getting appointed as ministers. The same old politicians, according to Fela, we spoil Nigeria before. We rule Nigeria before. And it's not like their, their pedigree or like when they held a previous position or office that they did significantly well, that they were magnificently well, that they need we need to bring them back in another capacity. They didn't do anything good, but they are brought right back. They're, they're recycled. To continue to ruin <laughs> Nigeria because the allure of power is so it's so strong, it's so powerful that they are unwilling to let it go. That's it. So I was saying that this Tanzanian people, the youth, young people, our age mates, because a lot of this grief was displayed, so to speak, on social media. Now I follow this uh, comedy account on Instagram that has a large African following and last week they posted 
you know, a, a question asking followers what recent celebrity death hit them so hard it felt like they lost a family member. And a lot of us were saying uh, Kobe Bryant, we were commenting uh, Chadwick Boseman, but every single Tanzanian kept commenting President John Magufuli as the death that hit them the most. A lot of them were saying they were still processing the shock and the loss. And as a Nigerian, I could not relate to that, okay? I couldn't relate because I can categorically state that there is no single Nigerian head of state, living or dead, ex or present, that will pass away today and I will feel like I lost a family member. Are you, are you kidding? You know? And, and I'm sure that 99.99999% of Nigerians feel the same way. And that tells you how in the doldrums we are. It has gotten so bad that other countries reject us now. On Twitter the day before, two or three days ago, I saw this uh, thread where this lady, a Nigerian lady, was recounting how she was traveling from Dakar, that's Senegal, to Cape Verde. And when she got there, she and a number of her fellow travelers were immediately sequestered. There were fellow Nigerians and a, uh, I think an Italian and a Jordanian who happened to have a Nigerian visa stamped on his passport. However, her Nigerian friend, a black Nigerian friend, who had an American passport, along with other white people, were allowed to go through immigrations, no questions asked, while this other group had their passports taken from them. After a while, they were informed that they would be returning them back to Dakar. When they asked why, they said it was COVID restrictions. Now, I don't have the numbers, okay? I don't have the numbers, but I am certain that Nigeria does not rank as high as America and, you know, many other uh, Western countries, even African countries. Nigeria is not ranked the highest of COVID cases. Yet, Nigerians were the ones held back. And this is our reality. That Cape Verde, an island, with it like Lagos, like this, they pursue our citizens on baseless and unfounded reasons within the same West African subregion. And then we are shocked and outraged when Ghanaians ask Nigerians to leave their country or, or when South Africans murder us at will or when Chinese discriminate against us in China and even inside our own Nigeria. You probably did not hear of a Chinese restaurant in Lagos that was only serving a dining or eat-in to only Chinese and other diplomats while Nigerians could only order takeaway. Thankfully, the foreign office shut that shit down with the quickness. I think they even shut down the restaurant. It's a true story. You can, you know, Google it. But this is our reality. One that we are refusing to face. We're in denial that the people whom we have ceded our freedoms to, they call it the, the social contract, right? The people we have placed to be at the helm of our affairs have done nothing but steal from us, uh, usurp from us, leave us with nothing. And when we try to protest against impunity and protest against oppression, we are labeled criminals. Uh, when we try to find alternative means of providing for ourselves and, and taking ourselves out of poverty because there are no jobs in these streets, when we try to do that, we are called Yahoo boys and Yahoo girls. Now, I'm not saying that there aren't people doing Yahoo, okay? We sadly say some people be G-boy and G-girl. But really, as many as there are involved in cyber crimes, there's a million more of us doing legitimate work 
and businesses using the internet and technology. Now, rather than uh, try to learn about it, attempts to imbibe what is becoming a new world order to our very archaic systems, rather than do any of that, they're shutting it down. They're shutting down cryptocurrency. They're shutting down so many other things. You know, (laughs) let's not revisit old ones. But I believe that sometimes we need to scratch at the scabs so that we remember where it hurts, so that the anger and pain that we feel will fool us when we are pushing for a Nigeria that befits us, a Nigeria that we can you know, really be proud of. Because we are at a point where we have to re-strategize the way we speak truth to power. And we need to show that we are beyond just rabble-rousing on the streets. We need to show that we have capacity that given the opportunity, we will do better than our forebears. So there is a need for us to go back to the drawing board, basically. The time for protests are way behind us. Um, I pray for the repose of the soul's lust uh, and, and for the lives forever changed, like mine. And I hope that we are each in our own way, through our you know silent coded networks, we are keeping the movement alive. Because... The time draws nigh, folks. The time draws nigh, ladies and gentlemen. And every now and then, I will get political. I'm sorry. But these are the standard issues. Every now and then, I am going to be calling you to action. And honestly, I am open to discussions from all sides of the divide because we need to figure out what the rot is and find a way to remove it. Think about it. If there is a rat infestation in your house, you will try to, you know, flush it out, right? So we need to come together and exterminate. Okay, we're going to go at a quick break because I think I got a little heated a few moments ago. I'll admit that. And it's cooled down a little bit. And when we return, we are going to be talking about absolute power corrupting absolutely outside the political space. Stick around. And we're back. This is the Energy Podcast. It's Muna. We've been talking about the intoxication that comes with having power. And while it's easy to view it with a political lens most of the time, it's also good to find instances outside of that space that exemplifies this. And the recent event that comes to mind is the in the entertainment space, of course. An issue that trended tremendously over the past week on Twitter and basically everywhere else. I'm talking about the Shay Shay audition situation. <laughs> Am I going to be doing these rhymes every time now? Last episode, it was the uh, the Meghan Markle debacle. This time, it's the Shay Shay audition situation. Now, if you don't know what I'm talking about, the sixth season of the musical reality show, Nigerian Idol, just started. And, you know, it usually starts with the audition stage where hopeful artists come to showcase their talent. And Sheisha is a judge this season, alongside DJ Sose and Obiasika. So during the audition, a young boy, 70 years, uh, 17 years, I said 70, 17 years old, performed, I want to say, an original song. I don't know. I didn't watch it. After which the judges, you know, gave their opinion on his performance. And this is where Sheisha came for him. Like I said, I did not watch the show. Like most people, I heard about the matter on Twitter and saw comments um, about, you know, the whole thing. I didn't see the video, but people were just talking, asking why she would say such hurtful, bullying things to a young boy of 17. 
And I was like, look, the business of entertainment is cutthroat. It does not care about your age. Look at the kids on Disney and Nickelodeon. Do you think anyone would have given them opportunities just so as not to hurt their feelings? No. Besides, this is usually how the, the show goes. This is the format. In the foreign uh, versions or iterations, there's always that one person that stands out as the mean person. He doesn't care about your feelings and he's always blunt when telling you that you suck, basically. So I thought maybe Michelle was being uh, the Simon Cowell, the Pierce Morgan of Nigerian Idol. But that was until I saw the clip. And you know what? I take it back. I take it back. It was unnecessarily catty. I mean, look, if she was talking from a place of professionalism and she was calling him out on his performance uh, because I was with her until I saw the video, she was she was calling him out from a professional place, using the right terms and terminology, telling him why his performance did not was not was not up to par. She could have said, uh, "Your performance did not spark joy," or "It was not believable," or "It did not feel like it came from within," or "Your vocal ability is not strong." Like maybe you felt like you were doubting yourself. Maybe you're not confident. Maybe because you're young. Maybe you need to take uh, voice lessons. I'm not a, a musician, I'm not an artist, but I think I could do a better job judging than Shay Shay did. She could have said anything. She literally could have said anything. She literally could have put her point across without coming off the way she did, which was highly unprofessional. She was saying stuff like, uh, listen, I don't know. Somebody lied to you telling you to come on the show. They lied to you telling you you have talent. And you, 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 you can't make money from music. Eh? <laughs> I'm coming. <laughs> I'm coming. Let me ask. But when has talent ever been a prerequisite for making money in the music industry in Nigeria? Because I don't want to call names. I don't want to say no names, except maybe Shay Shay. But there is a ton. I'm talking about a tank full of artists who are cashing out in Nigeria that did not. They do not necessarily have talent. Insofar as we are talking about talent as a as in a range or a vocal range that rivals uh, Beyonce or Mariah Carey's or, or Usher's. Them plenty. Them po. <laughs> OPG. Okay. I'm not calling that particular person out. No, not at all. I'm just saying there's a lot of people that are basically entertainers. They can get a groovy tune with nonsensical lyrics and a subpar vocal range and we are bumping it in the clubs like crazy. We are dancing about it, dancing it in our cars. And it is a major hit. And they're making sweet dough. So to say someone will never make money as a criticism of the person's performance or audition is laughable. Because there are a lot of people. Again, I don't want to call names, but a lot of artists with phenomenal talent in this industry or in that industry who deserve more than what they are getting so far in the music industry in terms of uh, fan base or recognition or fame and fortune, these people basically have to watch other people with objectively less talent live the life that they dream of or that they think they deserve. <laughs> Needless to say, the backlash was enormous. And one memorable tweet said, it's such a shame that an up-and-coming artist is being given a platform to judge other up-and-coming artists. And honestly, I wouldn't say that person was lying because I had to Google to know she has an album. 
an album from six years ago. All this time, I thought she had singles and maybe songs that she was featured in. And her actions on the show and in response to criticism, in my own opinion, is a blatant abuse of power. Because as someone who is constantly judged, that's Shay Shay, who some people, including myself, have said is not really talented per se. I've said it before, and I might be wrong, but I, I, don't, I don't have access to a body of work to determine that she is talented. She just seems to me like a vixen, a video vixen, you know, that can sing Sha, you know, that kind of thing. So somebody who is constantly judged by even yours truly, you would expect her to have empathy. And this is not to say she should be a mother hen because there's always this idea that if she's the woman in the show, she should be the nice person. Nah, you don't have to be Miss Nice Nice. You can still be stern. You can still be blunt and professional without coming off as bitter and jealous of fresh young talent. Okay, I said it. She sounded like she was jealous. I mean, it was what? The first episode or the second? And she was already drunk of having the power to judge people. Because people, power, having it or the semblance of it, whether it even benefits you or not, in whatever space, it corrupts. Absolutely. <laughs> now, before I leave you, yeah, I'm keeping this episode short and sweet. Before I leave you, I just want to uh, touch on the Don Jazzy marriage revelation. Who else was shocked? Because I was. I'm not going to lie. I was. And not a lot of things shocked me. And I have always joked, even though I have always joked, that one day I just... Don Jazzy will reveal that he has been married for years now with like five kids. But still, nothing prepared me for his Instagram post yesterday. Now, if you don't know what I'm talking about, celebrator, producer, and uh, head honcho of Maven Records, Don Jazzy, revealed that he was married 18 years ago when he was 20. And apparently the marriage only lasted two years because, you know, he was more in love with music than his wife. Those were not his words, but, you know, <laughs> basically he mentioned the wife's instagram handle in the post and i think she's she's british she's black but she's british and let me tell you her following increased exponentially in less than 24 hours folks were calling her our wife and all of that and <laughs> there were some comments commending her for um never speaking out about their relationship despite jazzy's fame and fortune a lot of people would expect that she would like to cash out on their relationship lots of people were drawing parallels between the uh dangote dime piece drama of a few months ago if you don't know what i'm talking about now what or you go online I'm, I'm not gonna say anything before my mouth you go hear about uh how the richest man in africa and his alleged american girlfriend who nope <laughs> nope nah I don't want to talk about that, um, but really, there was there was a lot of a lot of chatter online yesterday, and people talking about drawing parallels between, you know, both. And I don't know. Don't make me talk about it. Let's just move on. No, 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 no. And thus, we have come to the end of this episode of the Standard Issue Podcast. Thank you all for sticking with me today. I had a lot of fun. I hope you did too. Your uh, feedback is truly important and highly appreciated. So be sure to leave us a comment or two on Instagram or Twitter. We are at the Standard Issue Podcast on IG and at Standard Issue Pod on Twitter. 
links are on the description box wherever you're listening be sure to follow us um for updates on new episodes and <laughs> new episodes also do us a solid and subscribe on whatever platform you enjoy hearing us from and also share as far and as wide as you can it, it will increase our search engine optimi- optimization you know it gives us more visibility and remember you can listen anywhere you don't have to sit in one place you can listen when you're at the gym you can listen in your bedroom you can listen in your bathroom you can listen in the car listen you can listen literally everywhere um, also, just to quickly inform us, in case you didn't know, that April is Sexual Assault Awareness Month. I will probably be doing an episode on that. But as usual, I will be posting links to a few resources and NGOs advocating against the scourge of gender-based violence. So you can educate yourself on the issues, you can uh, donate to their, uh, their causes and efforts, and you can also volunteer your time. And hopefully even after April, you will be left with such a lasting impact that you get the chance to pay the knowledge forward. All right, that's it. It's done. This has been the Standard Issue Podcast. I have been Mona. Take care, everyone. Peace.